Weepa team is proud to bring you Weepa Waves, the sound waves of your career. And the F words, the taboo stops here. Let's tackle the tough issues together. Hi, my name is Lindsay Rainwater. I am the founder and CEO of the Women in Fitness Association. We believe that storytelling has a magical way of connecting us all. We give a voice to tough topics and break down any fear of being alone. Weefa Waves is the podcast devoted to the sound waves of your career, giving voice to our global community. Please also enjoy our newest addition to our podcast family, F-Words. We highlight the taboo topics and feature words like fertility, finance, facelift, and fillers. We're going to break down any tough issues that we might face together. Enjoy today's episode of Weefa Waves and F-Words. Today on the Weefa Waves podcast, we are fortunate enough to be joined by Lisa Doherty. She's been in the industry for 22 plus years. Uh, she joins us from California. We're so happy that uh, many, many years ago, she started an organization called MedFit Education Foundation. And really, that's been her life um, you know, for quite some time. And the, the work that she's doing in um, the the chronic space specific to personal care and really partnering with people to heal their lives. I'm excited to chat more with her about her purpose and why she's here and her story around WIFA. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We we always start the podcast with your your WIFA story to give our guests, or excuse me, our our audience, the opportunity to hear about your WIFA story. So tell us a little bit about how you got introduced to WIFA. Uh, well, I got introduced to you, Lindsay, by uh, Bill McBride, who's been uh, on my uh, advisory board since I started this project. And he thought that us two women leading uh, nonprofits should know each other. Uh, and that's how we met. And, and now with uh, COVID and post-pandemic, I thought it would be great to reconnect um, because I see a, a wonderful opportunity for uh, women in the fitness industry to get into the medical fitness space. This is the emerging space. It has the biggest growth potential. And um, I would love to see more women uh, in this space. The fitness industry has always been male dominated. <laughs> and I've been uh, kind of alone in my charge in the chronic disease and exercise specialist as a woman. Um, yeah. 20 years, and I'd like to see more of us. So, I've amen. Guys and partner. A women, yes. I think. Yeah. <laughs> we just need to share, we need to change that as well. <laughs> just, I, I think um, medical fitness is, is still pretty, pretty new. Like it's, it's been around yeah. a long time, but it's really kind of breaking out at this moment in terms of a, people understanding that there's a real need for it and there are real, real options for you, the fitness professional in terms of going into that area. What, it, what does, what's the scope of medical fitness for a fitness professional? Well, you know, that's a great question. Uh, interestingly enough, a lot of trainers are already working in this space. They just don't know it's called that. Okay. Um, 
you're working with someone over 50, you probably know, need to know, you know, medical things. Uh, if you're working with someone who's had a surgery, if someone's been diagnosed with um, hypertension or prediabetes, th- those are people that you need to know medical stuff about. So you're already in the space. Um, I think we have still facing a chronic disease, um, uh, obesity, opioid and mental health crisis. And I think this is the blue ocean for fitness professionals to get into. I don't think it's going to be about glutes and abs anymore. Um, Maybe uh, for some people, but I think it's going to be about health and wellness. And one of the things that I've seen lacking in our industry is enough education to be a respected part of the healthcare continuum. And if there is any education, which I've taken some, there hasn't been any continued um, education. So a lot of our education has been one and done. So this is where I see it's a great time for us to elevate and be part of healthcare. Mm. Absolutely. Like if you look at the, if you look at the demographic all over the world, we're, we're an aging population in, in many, many countries. So to be relevant as a fitness professional, this, this yeah. needs to be in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to dive more uh, into that later, but mm-hmm. we also always like to find out a little bit about the young Lisa. So can you tell us a little bit more about your childhood, your first memory, or what, what, what you remember or what your parents told you that you were like and, and how that still that you still manifest that part of you today? Well, let's see. Um, I, my father always told me that I was a special person, that I was going to do something to change the world ever since I was a little girl. And, you know, I thought, wow, that's a really big thing to do when you're really little. But, you know, I've always been a self-starter. I was the little girl with the lemonade stand on the corner. I organized the talent show in grade school. I was the editor of the school newspaper in junior high school. I managed the varsity football team. I did all the the bookkeeping, got their uniforms cleaned. Um, And according to my yearbook, I had the best parties uh, in high school. So, yeah. Nice. (laughs) Organizing um, and so forth. And my dad always encouraged me along the way. And, um, you know, it was really great um, for a good 25, 30 years before he passed of cancer. Uh, he and I would speak every uh, Sunday. He lived in Florida. My parents got divorced when I was uh, 13 and uh, we were in California and we had what was called our fireside chat, even though neither of us had a fireplace, but that's what he called it. And he would just ask how my week went. And, you know, I would tell him things I was aspiring to do or wanting to do or things that I failed and to get his advice on what I should have done differently. And a great thing about my dad is that, you know, when I failed or anything, he never judged it. He would pick me up off the ground and say, well, here's what you could do better, or this is why you failed. And you know what? I think 25 years of coaching from a man that I really looked up to every week was just a a wonderful gift. Um, I think that really made me the woman I am today and to watch him battle cancer four times keep a positive attitude and never give up made me, I think the person I am today. Mm. Wow. Lisa, that's uh, 
I can relate actually to a lot of what you're saying about your relationship with your dad. And um, I just, I think that's, that's so magical to be able to have a parent that you can share openly with that in that way and be championed and challenged. And it's incredibly formative. And I would imagine you could look back at your career highlights over the last couple of decades and pinpoint the places where you're like, that was totally influenced by him. Um, Can you share with us like some career highlights that you've had over the last couple of decades? Wow. Um, So uh, changing careers in my thirties, that was, um, I was in the securities industry, stocks and bonds, wall street uh, for the first 14 years. And uh, my dad was battling his second cancer at the time. Mm. And I had the opportunity to quit my job and go back to school. I was married at the time. My husband was a contractor, got a very big contract um, with the Getty Museum to to do the museum. Uh, It was a million dollar contract work, you know, in our early 30s. And I'm like, okay, you know, I was really good at what I did. I got a lot of awards. I had a lot of respect. I made a lot of money. And I had the chance to go and do whatever I wanted to because I kind of fell into this career uh, out of high school. I didn't pick this. as I didn't grow up and say, oh, I want to be in the stock market. I never said that. Um, so I left. It was really uh, scary. I went back to school. UC Irvine had a, a two-year fitness instructor program. And I always knew I wanted to help people. And with their money was really stressful. And I believed in fitness and wellness because that's how I lived my life. And I was inspired by my dad. And so going back to school at 35, uh, when I haven't studied or a book or taken an exam since high school, um, Hmm. at a fast-paced, accelerated university program was very formidable. And, you know, my dad encouraged me the whole time. Um, You know, I'm like, I forget how to study, you know. And so forth. Um, I would say another career highlight, and I'm going to leave a, a big gap there, is um, me founding uh, the MedFit Network in 2013. And that was inspired by a couple different things. And I won't go into it too much because I know you'll probably ask me these questions later. Um, one was I saw that there was a, a need for a public registry of fitness and health, allied healthcare professionals who had services for people that had cancer, diabetes, Parkinson's, and that because I always had a hard time trying to find help for my dad and I was getting reached out to. So in addition to being a full-time personal trainer and having trainers work for me, um, I went on to start another organization. Like, (laughs) you know, I had that time and, um, you know, talked to him about it. And he kept saying, you know, one day you're going to be on TV. I'm going to see you on TV for, for doing this MedFit network. And I would say to him, dad, I don't want to be on TV. I'm really shy. I'm just doing it because it needs to be done. And bittersweet, uh, a week after my dad died, I was acknowledged by the White House, uh, the Obama administration, as a champion of change for creating this project. And, you know, to be honest with you, ladies, when I got that acknowledgement, I, I didn't even feel it. I mean, my dad died. Seriously, it was like seven days earlier. And I was just so numb, I couldn't even feel it. And I kept saying, God, I wish this would have came eight days earlier. <laughs> but he could, because my whole life, he kept saying, you know, you're going to do something special, you're going to do something special. And then I was acknowledged right after he died. So I still don't know what to make of that in my life. And that's a very personal mm-hmm. moment I'm sharing with you ladies. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so then uh, as I did this project, I found out that there wasn't enough people to be in this registry, that, that the amount of people that we needed, there wasn't enough educated people. 
So I'm a problem solver and I'm an organizer and I'm a collaborator and I'm a gathering people. So I started yet another organization and a not-for-profit. Yeah, and this whole project's been not-for-profit. I never did it for profit. I did it because I thought someone in our industry needed to step up and do something like this. And I think everybody was trying to figure out how they were going to monetize it. And so they just were frozen on how to do it. And Mm -hmm. I never cared about that. So it was very easy for me to reach out for help to get people to do it because there was nothing in it for me. And I was telling them there's nothing in it for you. It's for our industry. It's to help people. So I started the Medford Education Foundation, um, starting a nonprofit. I don't know. uh, You guys have probably understand this. It's like 30 pages of paperwork and attachments. And you got to wait. Uh. I don't know, 18 months for approval. And it, I think it literally took, you know, 17 months and 28 days to get approved. And um, mm-hmm. so starting a foundation, having a network and still being a personal trainer, I, I would say would be the greatest highlights of my career the past, you know, 20 years. Wow. Well, we're going to, we're going to jump back into, into your first career for a second, because that, that, that's crazy. Like you ended up on wall street, but you didn't mean to. And if you think about it, the people who like claw their way onto wall street, (laughs) it's just, uh, you're, you're the, you're the victim of your own abilities, I think. I think so. I think you're right. <laughs> so was was that your first job stumbling into okay, tell us about how you stumbled so, um, on Wall Street. So anyways, uh when I graduated high school, I unlike a lot of kids, I had no idea what I wanted to do in my life. And you know, my dad was always take your time, there's no hurry. My gosh, you're 18 you know, and I wanted to do something that summer. And my mom knew someone at Dean Witter, which was a a stock securities company. Mm -hmm. And so I was, it was a summer job as a receptionist and it was supposed to give me time to think about what I wanted to do with my life that summer. And I, I went into this office and I saw how disorganized that they were. And, you know, from the mail system to, communication to reports to, you know, offering new stock offerings. And my personality was to go in there. I just started cleaning things up, organizing them. And I think they were dumbfounded that I was 18. I had no oh. idea about this industry. I just saw like it was a big mess. <clears throat> and I just went in and start organizing the office. And they, they did not want me to leave. <laughs> so because I didn't know what I wanted to do and I felt so needed and I stayed and I got a pay raise. I got promoted. I'm still deciding, you know, I'm 19 now what I want to do here. I'm 20. What do I want to do? 21. I kept promoting, getting up um, there. And, you know, I learned that even without a college education or any experience in an industry or field, if you go and you work hard and you try to learn what it is that's happening, uh, that it pays off. I mean, maybe yep. sometimes it doesn't, but for me, I found that applying yourself and not giving up again, that's my dad's personality, um, uh, that I just worked my way up. And so hard work paid off for me. Hmm. That, that, that's it, That's really an incredible story. And it's also, I mean, yeah. your, your ability to assess the situation and your drive to fix it 
I mean, that, that that's, that's the really, truly rare quality that I keep on hearing as the red line through your stories. You see a need, you find a way. It's just. Yep. Yeah. And it was really for you. Uh, acknowledged as one of the top <clears throat> uh, sales assistants in a firm that had 10,000 uh, employees. And wow. I went to New York. I met with the CEO and, um, I was also one of the very uh, first sales assistants that uh, in my industry, um, brokers would be paid an upfront fee to go and work at Merrill Lynch or Smith Barney. uh, And they usually got a year's pay to go and change firms and they would bring their book of clients. I was the first sales assistant I know of in the history that I got paid a whole whole upfront salary to change firms um, and move to Smith Barney. And I know a lot of the gals, because my position was mostly covered by females assistants. Uh, a lot of them were upset and jealous that I got that opportunity. But I watched them when it was, you know, we got done at work at 3.30. They all left. I was the only one uh, gal in the office after 3.30. It'd be dead as doorknobs. And I'd be there filing, working, doing something. And so, again, oh. you get what you uh, work for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. A full salary up front. Yep. You're a badass, Lisa. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So next May, we're recording it now in April. May is Women's Health Month. And the the thing, you're a mover and shaker in medical fitness. So you, you've seen a lot of stuff. Um, you've heard a lot of stuff, I'm sure. Is there anything that you've come across um, about women's health specifically that you would want to share? Well, you know, it's interesting because through the the people that I've met in the fitness industry, uh, other women, um, I've learned that a lot of our education is based on uh, men Uh, and a certain, you know, uh, size and weight man, a a lot of our exercise prescription, uh, and this goes with all the certifying bodies was based on research for men. I didn't know that. Um, and why would I know that or not know that or expect anything, you know, other than that? So there's a lot of uh, research about women. Um, and I think um, just carrying a woman through her life from a teenager through when she's postmenopause, that there's uh, exercise, what I've learned, uh, tailored to their hormonal changes through their life is just so important. Um, and uh can help them stay fit. They're, they're not the same as a man. Um, they shouldn't be trained like a man. Um, we have babies. <laughs> so we, we get pregnant. We have postpartum. Um, some women battle depression. It's huge trauma to the pelvic floor. It is a, a medical thing. They should be getting PT afterwards. And it was just like, well, have a baby and get back to work. Um, these women are going through menopause and our generation of mothers didn't my mom didn't tell me anything about menopause. I don't even think they even talked her mom even talked about having periods or anything. It's just women didn't talk about any of that stuff. And now women these days, we want to know, and we are talking about those things and um, to each other and to some of the older women that are um, more open to talking about it. So I see a whole generation of knowledge and education to, that's going to change our healthcare in our mm-hmm. uh, industry as well. Mm. Oh, this is something Jen and I get really hopped up on. Like, <laughs> really fired up about. <laughs> really fired up about because it's uh, 
I, yeah, I, I, I have, I did a whole study of on myself of training with my cycle, with my hormone cycle and a hundred percent different than training how I've always been taught to train. And it, I can't believe it took 37 years or, you know, I, there was it, nobody talks about that enough yet right. at all. You know, as a trainer for 22 years, uh, <laughs> when I was in my late forties, I was working with women in their fifties. And so I was watching them go, some of them go through the change of life and they would do work out with me exactly the same. They didn't change their diet and they started getting uh, body fat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, is that's what's in store for me. And what I learned and just on my own, because there was no education then, I started having them do more strength training than uh, mm-hmm. all aerobic queens. I was an aerobic queen. Uh, that's pretty much all I did. I was a very slight, I weighed 105 pounds. I think I'm almost 120 now, but I'm muscle. Um, and that's something I put on in the last decade. I changed my training from being the aerobic queen to strength training three or four times a week and doing aerobics. So it's just learning that. And uh, we, we have great education um, for, with the MedFit Education Foundation on menopause and a prenatal postpartum. Um, but I think it's fantastic. I, I, I think we have to just continue to have these conversations because I think it's not just healthcare that's going to change. The more we talk about women's health, the world is going to change when we start talking about women's health. Like I, I, I have had so many conversations with, with women just because I'm open to talking about the struggles I have with my cycle and I haven't, I haven't spoken to many women that were just like, yeah, I have a, you know, on the clock cycle. That's just, you know, no problems. It's pretty light, easy. Like there's, you know, cycle schmeichel, like nobody says this Mm-mm. and yet, and yet we, we are expected to act like men, like we don't have our cycles out in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I I also notice that I'm I'm in the in the peri to menopausal state, but I, I notice as my hormones shift over the course of the month, slight as it may be comparatively, but I'm I'm so much better at, at different tasks on different phases in my cycle. It's it's not just physical adaptation, but it's a mental and emotional adaptation as well. And, and the more we learn about it, the more we can really harness these female superpowers that like that in, in previous generations, when, when women were really in communities together, that, that these were conversations that, that were, and, and skills that were really knowledge that was passed down. Anyway, I'm on a tangent. Um, <laughs> rabbit hole. Uh, so, uh, talk about what, what's exciting, uh, that, that, you know, now about the advancements in women's health because of the work that you're doing with, uh, medical fitness. Um, you know, I think, um, just having more education available, uh, you know, uh, us women, I think we're, natural healers. I mean, if you go through history, 
um, before there was medical doctors, whenever medical started in the fifties or whatever, it's been that were the healers um, of, and everything. So I think we have that innate ability. Um, I think we have more compassion uh, and uh, intuition and sensitivity. So I think just not only in the women's health space, but in the medical fitness space where, um, you know, I've worked with uh, children with autism. I've worked with a lady diagnosed with um, Alzheimer's. Um, I've worked with uh, a woman with uh, multiple sclerosis, um, uh, breast cancer survivors. Mm -hmm. And I think just getting this education as a woman and being able Mm -hmm. to help a child, an older woman diagnosed with Alzheimer's, someone who's had breast cancer, um, and maybe she wants to go back and, you know, date and feel good about her body again. It's not, she's not training for anything that's specific. She's training because she wants to feel good about herself. And the one with Alzheimer's wants to be able to dress herself. So her husband doesn't have to, and the kid with autism, the little girl wants to fit in. Yeah. Hmm. As you can see, I get emotional about it. I really believe in this project. I really think this education is needed. And I think we need to educate an army, and I'll quote Jennifer on that, is that, you know, we keep waiting for, oh, well, let's wait till we do all this research and we we get the education perfect here. You know what? We need to just get it here right now Mm -hmm. and get people out there. And then while they're out there, we'll learn from them. And then we can make level two. And then everybody comes in at level two and we bring the people up from one to two and we keep it, you know, building it up there and not just wait to hear. That's what our industry, I feel like has been doing for 30 years. Let's just jump in and do it. And, you know, I was really fortunate. I have a couple clients. They're both cancer survivors, a husband and wife. Um, and they gave a, a very large private donation to my foundation uh, last January and this January. Um because they knew the education that I went through 17 years ago, all these chronic disease and exercise specialist courses were all shelved. And they knew that I thought this education was important. So they gave me this wonderful gift to bring all this education back and more and then bring it out to the world. So it's a family, a Newport beach. They want nothing in return. They just want this education out there. And so I'm their beacon to get it out there. You're, you're the channel. I think, I think it's really important just because I've, I've heard your story a, f- a few times. We're making connections o- across the world uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, with the, the medical fitness courses right now, but the, the way that you've gone about and created the, the courses, I think is really important for people to know because I think it's really yeah. unique and it's really special. So, you know, you talk a lot about it, it's the content, but there's also a story element that I think people should really know about because that's totally unique. Nobody's doing it. Uh, you know, that, that is true. And speaking with uh, Julian over at Europe Active, he went through a couple courses and, you know, his first uh, feedback to me was, well, there's real people in these courses real people who have the condition. There's real people that are demonstrating the exercises. And so, you know, what was important for me to create these courses, by the way, there are a minimum of 10 hours. Uh, That's what our industry deems as a specialist. Now to me, that bar is pretty low for an industry. If you go to a doctor, 
doctor, if they went to a 10 hour dermatology uh, course, they wouldn't become a dermatologist, but that's where the bar is. So these courses are minimum 10 up to 20. Um, I asked, I interviewed a lot of people. Um, I just um, chose two people uh, yesterday for one for the bariatric and metabolic um, fitness specialist and one for the youth fitness specialist. But um, when I approached all these authors, I said, not only do I want, you know, PowerPoint education, deep dive into the, the thing, I want uh, people interviewed who have this condition, like for Parkinson's, I'll give that example. Um, you know, the gal who did the Parkinson's course, she interviewed different people that got diagnosed with Parkinson's at different ages, uh, different genders, uh, different uh, ethnicities uh, as well. She interviewed the caregiver so that as a trainer, when the caregiver drops off the Parkinson's uh, client, you know what they're facing and their health is important too. Uh, she interviewed the doctors that the people with Parkinson's go to, the occupational therapist, the speech therapist. Um, so it was very immersive. So you're, you're learning and then you're going to uh, meet the person that you're going to work with or you're going to meet their spouse uh, or their child. And I thought that was really important. Uh, in addition to that, I asked all the authors to consider the new norm of fitness, which could be uh, virtual training, uh, telehealth, um, outdoor programming, um, so that the today's trainer, truly the today's trainer, is equipped with any type of exercise program they need for that population. Um, I also asked them to include a business component. One of the things I've learned just personally in the industry in this project is that the average trainer lasts about two years. They just don't know how to run a business. Um, they're excited about being uh, getting into fitness and helping people. And there's a book uh, called The E-Myth. And the greatest uh, part of it is they talk about just because you like to bake doesn't mean you know how to open a bakery and be successful at having a bakery. So trainers like being fit. Um, so there's a great turnover in our industry. And so the last thing I want with this education is someone to become a, you know, a cancer specialist or Parkinson specialist and fail in two years because they don't know how to run a business. And what a waste of education and potential. So all these authors are um, showing the trainer, how do you market yourself as an arthritis fitness specialist? What medical and health organizations would you approach? Um, here's a packet that you would take to uh, OBGYN if you're a prenatal fitness specialist. Here's the curriculum of the course that you've taken. So you could show the GYN that this is what you've learned. Here's some handouts for the GYN to tell them why their patient should <clears throat> exercise. And here's some handouts to, to give to the gal who's pregnant to tell her why it's good for her baby for her to exercise. So they're, they're looking at mm. the full scope of you know, uh, how you interact with the client, the parent, the, the doctor, um, how you would approach a surgeon if you're um, like a, a joint replacement fitness specialist, how you approach a physical therapist. So it, all these courses are really thought out. They're actually like a little mini career that you could start. Yeah. Um, and it's a new business service and a program that you could offer. I've been to so many events and, and taking courses that I just learned something and I don't know what to do with it. Um, so I want this to be like, here's the thing that you're going to start. This is a new business that you're going to start and help your community and you're going to market yourself. And what we do with these courses is when someone passes the exam, we do a boosted Facebook post in their zip code 
and we announce that this person is now available in their city. And my foundation cool. pays for that. I don't want anyone in the fitness industry that's paying for me to get boosted in my zip code that I'm a trainer. And again, I want this project. I, I did this project because it needs to be done. Yeah. Lisa, I love how comprehensive what you offer is, especially the 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 personal stories and then also the the business application side of it. It's such an important miss for trainers that they so oftentimes rely on the facility they're affiliated with to get their business training. Um and it's just not enough. Um and it's and then a lot of times we're we're trainers are creatives, right? They want to focus on training. And so the business part of it is something they're not as interested in. And it's not really a choice, in my opinion. It's something that you need to be compassionate about so you can be successful long-term. And I just, I really appreciate the attention to detail. It really goes back to the opportunity to partner with women on their, whether it's their reproductive health site, you know, if you can really partner with a woman on her, her uh, hormonal journey, you can build a relationship with her. And if you're trained to do that, it's a completely different, I I can't even tell you how many female trainers I've worked with that don't know how to work with me when I'm pregnant. Um, and I'm like, unless, and like, so, and then they know once they've had a baby, but they've never received formal training. Not okay. Right. And, you know, I want to add on with all these courses, in order to keep this specialist title on the MedFit Network, you have to do 10 hours of relevant continuing education. So if you're a prenatal postpartum fitness specialist, uh, every two years you have to do, again, I'm setting the bar low right now, but that's where our industry is. You got to do 10 hours on prenatal and postpartum. You can't do TRX, Zumba Goldwater exercise, BOSU. You need to do prenatal fitness. You got to stay date. Can you imagine yeah. if your oncologist didn't do continuing education on college? <laughs> so that's our industry doesn't have any relevant continuing education in place either. So no mm. one in the fitness industry is going to require this, but the MedFit network is, if you're going to be on this network and on this registry, you got to do con ed. And, and I'm going to, we're mm. going to enforce that because otherwise we'll never be respected by the medical community. Because no. There's, no, there's no barrier to entry to our industry. Anybody can call themselves a personal trainer if they have some muscles. And that puts a burden on the consumer. And it makes the doctor uncomfortable. And I, I want to change that paradigm in my lifetime, if possible. Mm-hmm. We're, we're right there with you. Mm-hmm. We're, at, mm-hmm. we're at your side at the charge. Definitely. Yes. Now, uh, one, one of the... One of the important reasons that we're that we're scheduling this podcast now is because we're collaborating for for women's health month and we're really um helping you feature some of the some of the courses that help fitness professionals um support women's health so can you can you tell a a little bit about the courses that we are that we're going to be promoting sure um one is a um, menopause course. Uh, Deborah Atkinson is the um, author of the course. Uh, and I would say she would be the go-to expert in our industry. And I met her a few years ago. She spoke at my event and I said, you know what, we really need a, a you know, course um, up there on hormones to really um, 
have a trainer help someone through the, the phases of peri through post. Yeah. Um, because there is a difference peri through post. Um, and so her course is awesome. I've been through it. Um, the other one, I'm going to say it's a teaser course. It's three and a half hours on uh, prenatal uh, postpartum. Um, the author, because of COVID, had uh, issues with uh, interviewing and everything, but we wanted to get out at least some of the education, and she's working on the big course that we do this summer. So it's a teaser course, um, three and a half hours. It'll get you educated and give you a flavor of how we want you to do a deeper dive into this and be a specialist in this area. It's so rewarding to work with, you know, like Lindsay said, a new mom, someone who just got pregnant and take them through their journey. I've trained many women up to like the week before they gave birth um, and their birth was much easier. They were much happier. Their body bounced back. Um, and they, I think they felt more confident to be a mom because they felt physically stronger. And I think that turns into mental stronger. Mm -hmm. And it just made them so much more prepared to be a mom. Great. This is this is really exciting. I'm I'm happy that we have kind of the the bookends of the of the fertility cycle for women. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, one of the things that we like to do to tie a bow on our podcast is to ask some really fun. Uh, rapid fire questions. And then of course, spend some time telling our listeners where they can find you and how to reach you. So let's switch gears a little bit to some fun uh, rapid fire questions. And then we'll wrap up with your contact info. How's that sound? Sounds good. Okay. I'm going to kick us off here. So do you have a song that you would consider your walk-up song that gets you so amped and pumped reliably every time i'm every woman whitney houston <laughs> that is such a good one, it is oh, a good one. It's, you know it's like instantly I, stuck I, in my I, head now for the last you know i don't know decades so that gets me going it's a good one it, that that's the it's an anthem is what it is okay uh-huh. i'm gonna go with uh book recommendations what are you reading now who not how okay and it's about teamwork and turning cool. find out who can help you achieve the goal not trying to figure out how you can do it and that's how i've done this whole project not how i could do it but who can i find to help me achieve this mission and I love this book. I'm reading it right now. Perfect. Really cool. I have it on my really desk. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, it like, like <laughs> you couldn't have queued that up. <laughs> no, that was very, <laughs> very well prompted there. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite um, beauty regimen or thing that you do on a daily basis that feels like a really nurturing act of self-care? Well, I don't know about um, a daily basis. But, uh, you know, uh, at least a couple of weeks I do, you know, a facial, I put stuff on, uh, you know, I try to get my toes done. Um, I was getting weekly massages, um, before COVID and that was an, uh, I'll say that was an investment in my body because, you know, massages are, uh, something that people go, Oh, I'll do like once a month, but you know, the pressure that I'm, and there's a good pressure that I'm under that I really felt that that was restorative. So I look forward to going back to getting a weekly massage. Definitely. 
Okay, my last question is now you, you mentioned uh, a few times you're an organizer and we can we can see in your office nobody else can and it does really look like everything is uh, almost perpendicular <laughs> to each other. Do you have a junk drawer? Oh, you know what? It's so funny. I have a bunch of crap on my desk. Um, I like little things. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, I like Speed Racer. He was my cartoon a boyfriend growing up, so I still have the Mach 5 on my desk. So to me, I like all my little things on my desk. Uh, you know, I like Brito. He's an artist. Ooh, okay. yes. So that to me, I would say would be the little junky things, but I don't say, I wouldn't say I have a drawer. Okay, okay. Well, no, that's good. That's, I mean, I, I've got home edit ambitions, so... <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh I just want to know that someone's living it already. <laughs> you know. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, Lisa, tell everyone where they can find you online. All right. Well, um, medfitnetwork.org is the website where professionals can join. And I think we have a special offer for uh, WIFA coming up uh, or it's ongoing. It's not special. It's, you know, forever ongoing. Um, MedFit uh, Classroom is where you can find all of those courses I was talking about. Um, I think there's about 11 of the 30 available right now, but they're all going to come out this year. Um, And you'll also see our webinars. We've been doing weekly webinars for four years. Um, So you can find our webinars and our courses on medfitclassroom.org. Magical, magical. Well, thank you for spending time with us today. Um, I know that we will be able to help each other, um, you know, in the future, like now until the future, um, women everywhere deserve the opportunity to look really closely at these topics, um, and people everywhere. So I feel excited that our collaboration can help expand the bandwidth of your network. So thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you guys. It was fun. Yes, absolutely. All right. Bye for now. Until next time. WIFA Waves is brought to you by, actually, this is an opportunity. Right now, WIFA Waves is offering commercial spots to your organization. Contact us at askwefa at womeninfitness.org and let's share your platform with our audience.